saying it was an eventful week and certainly an eventful weekend, I think is putting it mildly when it comes to NDSU and uh, their their football program. You had, uh, I think what could be said is a controversial end of the season uh, in Montana, you know, the double overtime, the play call, the lack of a flag or whether or not there should have been a flag for pass interference, and, of course, the announcement of uh, their next coach, in Tom Polisic. In fact, they just had a press conference in this last hour introducing the new head coach and uh, had some words from the athletic director as well. And you know who was taking that in? Jay Bartley is a friend of ours. Green and gold game day. You can catch that 740 The Fan. But he's joining us right now here on Afternoons Live. Jay, welcome to the program, man. How you been? Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Uh, I appreciate you taking time. I know you're a busy guy this afternoon. Uh, we took in some of the press conference there. Curious what your takeaways were. Well, to be honest, I thought he killed it. Um, I think uh, that was uh, – I've known him for a long time. That was a very mature, uh, very calm Tim Polisek. And I think when you spend uh, the years away from the program that he did at Iowa under Kirk Ferentz and, and at Wyoming under Craig Bowl, you can see a new, uh, very mature, very driven, almost a calculated um, Tim Polisek. I liked a couple of his answers, in particular um, – talking about the attention to detail that it took at Iowa to land some of the high-end players. You know, you can't really go through the motions um, at, at that level. You can't. You have to be very detailed, articulate. Um, and I thought it was just a really brilliant first start uh, in, in a very difficult time for him, let's be honest. When you look at um, retaining a roster uh, in the transfer portal area, era, uh, you've got NIL, which I'm, I'm helping with name, image, and likeness through our Green and Gold Collective. There's just a lot going on, including signing day in 48 hours. So, there, Well, and with that, I think, is what people are looking at, the experience factor. Because, I mean, you know, Jay, we got to be honest here. The, there was names being floated around over the course of that week that we had for Matt Entz's announcement saying, look, I'm going to Southern California. And, uh, the, of course, the, the rumor mill – and who some would like to see, who others would prefer. And, of course, when you have players publicly this time saying, look, we want Tyler Roll, he's our guy, do you think that now that uh, Tim Polisek has been introduced, he is the next coach, when you talk about retaining and recruiting, does this hire in of itself have an impact one way or another, in your opinion? I'll tell you, Tim Polisek can recruit, and he will recruit. He's a bulldog. And um, there will be an attention to recruiting uh, great student-athletes, and um, he'll be aggressive. There's no doubt about it. I know in the last couple of days, uh, even South Dakota State has coached a couple of our players, come after some, offered others. Um, I think they just need to be ready. And this is a guy who's dealt with the transfer portal. He's dealt with NIL. He understands how, you know, it's, it's been a challenge at Wyoming uh, to keep players. It's a unique environment. He even mentioned that on his on his uh, press conference today. So I would say that NDSU fans should be excited for someone who's going to be aggressive in the portal. Uh, typically, what the portal's done to the Bison is just taken away some stud players here and there. I think we need to look at that, at that as an opportunity as well. You know, that, that was being echoed. Uh, I was watching uh, this Saturday's game, as we typically do with the uh, guys that I go down to Frisco with every year. And, of course, we were making the plans until, well, we had to change those plans abruptly after a, a two-point conversion attempt. So we'll get to that in a moment here. Uh, but the 
the recruitment and the aggressive approach to it and what they said, and these are just fans, you know, so of course the opinions take that with the grain of salt that it's meant here, saying, you know, the, the transfer portal, as you just described it, Jay, that we've really been watching talent leave and then we have not been aggressive in the approach to go after that person unless they're like a D2 individual here. And you say that's going to change with uh, with uh, Coach Polisek. Well, I think, first of all, a lot of a lot of high-end D2 players are plenty good, just mm-hmm. like high-end FCS players are plenty good to play FBS. So I think that'll still be um, in play. But I, I just think his network, when you go to Iowa for those years, now to Wyoming for these years, he's just he's gotten out, and I think that's important. When you look at Matt Entz, Matt Entz said um, one of the negatives on his resume in order to get a big-time job was he hadn't been F- FBS. And so he, he chose to bet on himself. And what a great man, what a great husband, a great individual, great friend, um, and good for him. But Tim did that. And Tim bet on himself seven years ago when he left. And that was the second time he had left. I mean, he built that resume for the opportunity to come home um, today to take the job, which he did. And I thought he did a tremendous job today at the press conference. One of the questions that, that follows his hire, and somebody texted in earlier saying, well, this might be a little bit more difficult than what you're thinking, Tyler. You know, you get a new head coach, and with that, you, you expect potentially changes to coordinators to, to different staffing levels. Is that uh, is there a barrier to that happening at NDSU based on the type of employment status? Or does Coach Polisic have the ability to come and say, look, I want this guy I want this gal. Uh, does he does he have free reign of his staff now as head coach or not? I'm not sure if I caught all that, but I'm going to take a stab and say that I have a, a pretty good hunch that probably half the staff or more will stay, and, and we'll be looking at some um, some change on the other half roughly. And I think that's fairly common. Any new coach is going to probably have his eye on a few people. Um, you know, I think he's very, very close friends with some of the people currently on the staff. Um, Nick Gazer and him are childhood best friends uh, from the same small town in Wisconsin. Uh, Tyler Roll, um, neither of those guys wanted to go up against each other to get that job. I mean, extremely difficult. I mean, I'm sitting here driving on the interstate, and I could feel the emotion in that call when he was talking about Tyler. Um, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep some of those men that are currently leading the bison program and and as a fan like i am i hope he brings some of his own blood in um that he's excited about jay bartley our guest uh, host of the green and gold game day uh that's caught on 740 the fan or sister station uh we got to talk about that that final game that final drive that that double overtime uh and of course people talking about the play call but certainly now the conversations about whether or not there should have been a, a flag for defensive pass interference Obviously, Jay, you took in that game. I'm curious your thought on the play call uh, in that two-point conversion attempt and whether or not you think that there should have been a flag thrown. Well, years ago, Pete Carroll called a weird one in the, in the Super Bowl. And I remember uh, there was a lot of chatter at the time. It's like, you know, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, knowing Tyler like I know him, it's probably gutted him since it happened, and it's probably one you want to put back in your pocket. Um, yes, there was pass interference. Oh, you don't want to put it in the ref's hands. But it's sometimes, you know, a, a bad call is a bad call. Uh, at the time, we were running the ball really, really well, and I was kind of screaming at the TV like, 
you know, we broke them, we broke them. And um, I didn't think they were any, they didn't have any interest in tackling us anymore. We had really begun to instill our will. Um, so with all due respect to Tyler, he'd probably want that one back. But, you know, that's the life as an offensive coordinator. It's brutal. Um, but, you know, if you saw on Twitter, Tyler Rowe put up the stats on what his offense did last year, and it's absolutely staggering. 38-plus points per game, led the country in about five or six different categories. Um, I thought he was tremendous. and I thought this team really turned around on defense. I thought they got to the quarterback better at the end of the year. Um, I was just actually really proud of the football team because it was, it was left for dead in the, in the fans' eyes, the public eyes, the media's eyes, and uh, they still came back and were one play away from, from getting to, the, to Frisco, which was obviously our goal. One other thing, Tyler, um, that was interesting is their trick play worked. Their trick play was terrible, but it worked. I mean, he threw it into one of our linemen's faces, and it took a good bounce. I mean, are people already forgetting how lucky that was? Uh Yes, to answer that question, yes, absolutely. Because, you know, it was that luck, and sometimes people say, well, it's better to be lucky than good, and there was nothing but luck on that play. But I think maybe the emotional heartbreak is how I'll put it, of, man, we were so close. And I think of your description – of, hey, look, we're starting to really take ownership of being able to handle that line, run that ball, is what some people are seeing. And and you're right, the the fact that I bet you Tyler Roll, which is, man, I wish I would have went different there. You got to feel bad for that guy. You got to feel bad for that tight end, uh, you know, for engaging, falling, and then having that pick and that being the end of that game. But to point out the, the level of offense – and where we stood at the end of this season, as far as you look back on stats, it was a good offense. And I, being critical myself into this microphone, talking about some of the predictability of it, well, it was predictable, but at times I think it's hard to argue that it wasn't working, aside from losing three games to three Dakota schools that, quite frankly, have mirrored their production off of what we've been doing for decades. I mean, at the end of the day, we got where we wanted to be, Unfortunately, because of the early losses, we were on the road. If we weren't on the road, we win that football game. The the crowd noise got to us. Uh, the little penalties added up. Um, but I think at the end of the day, that offense was pretty darn good all year long. And you look at our passing game, the efficiency. You look at Eli Green's growth throughout the year. I thought he was nothing short of phenomenal. Um, certainly was just an exciting time uh, to be to be a Bison. And, the other thing I would say is a lot of times, Tyler, those those two-point conversions are probably decided like on Wednesday of the week. Like, hey, if we need a two-point play, here's the one we're going to work on. They probably worked on it many times. It worked. Um, but it just didn't really go with the game flow. The game flow was we were running at will. And I think if, if Cole Payton's that quarterback there and you've got Tamaric Williams in the running back field, they're not going to go in. They're not going to know who to tackle, and and nor could they tackle them. So, again, probably one Tyler wants back, but yeah. uh, I think he was a brilliant play caller for us for many years. Uh, Bison fans are are highly critical of whoever whoever we've had over the years calling plays, and those guys went on to uh, have some great careers. Whether it's uh, Messingham at K State. Oh, Jay, I think I, uh, you're breaking. I'm going to guess you're about at Medina. On I on I ninety four right now coming this way. Do I have you before I let you go? 
Yes, I, I think I'm going up a hill now. It's a little bit better. Sorry about that. <laughs> the two hills that we have on that stretch, you just happen to be in one of them right now. Uh, yeah, I got just one final question for you. I even hate asking this question, but does Montana have an opportunity to, to take down South Dakota State in that championship game in Frisco, or is this cake already baked? Yeah, this one's over. Yeah, uh, It's unfortunate. Um, they're a great football team. Montana's strength was that crowd and a punt returner, and um, they got it done. They held us to field goals. Uh, I knew when we were stacking threes at a time that was going to be a challenge. I knew we had to we had to click. Uh, we didn't play a perfect game. We played a good game. Um, our, I thought our defense was good. We just missed on a couple of those big plays from Cam where he overshot the receivers that were open. Those are just little plays within a game that you have to do uh, in order to win. Um, South Dakota State has just been so clean all year. Uh, they don't have to play a perfect game to win. Um, you know, we've had these seasons several times. You know, we've won nine. They've won one. Um, you know, the good news is they're going to be uh, graduating a ton of good players. And, um, you know, I think they'll kind of settle in a little bit more. If they're going to be a good team. They're well coached. But I think they're going to take down their second in a row in Frisco. Yeah, I uh, I think that's what everyone has come to the conclusion on. I just had to get your take on my friend. Hey, you drive safe the rest of the way on your way back uh, to the eastern side, and we'll do this again soon. This was a lot of fun, Jay. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Go Bison. Yeah, you take care. Go Bison. Jay Bartley, he is the host. Green and Gold Game Day. You can catch that Saturday mornings on 740 The Fan, our sister station.